Well, I've been a parent for 16 and a half years, and in 16 years of being a parent, I, like every parent, has, have really screwed up a lot, and not because I want to, but because parenting is just really, really hard, and it hasn't gotten easier with time and experience. As, as a matter of fact, it's just gotten harder. I, I'm now the parent of two teenage daughters, and more than ever, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. But I'm more committed than ever to grow and develop as a parent because I love my kids and I believe that no one has the potential to influence them more than me. And if you're a parent, the same is true for you. Over the last few weeks, we've discovered no one has the potential to influence a child more than a parent. Because the reality of it is, is you're not raising a child, you're actually raising an adult. And you want your child to end up at good, healthy, wise destinations as an adult. To end up at good, healthy, wise destinations spiritually and physically and morally and financially and mentally, relationally, emotionally. The question is, will they? I mean, more importantly, will they arrive at the destinations their heavenly father wants them to arrive at? Well, for good or for bad, what you do as a parent greatly influences which destination your kids arrive at because no one has the potential to influence a child more than a parent. And this is the entire reason we're doing this series. And it's the reason why this series is so important for anyone who is a parent, about to be a parent, hopes to be a parent, or is helping another parent with parenting. Furthermore, this series is important for small group leaders, coaches, aunts and uncles, grandparents, mentors, teachers older brothers and sisters, because you also carry the weight and the responsibility of positively influencing a child or teenager or a student. Now, I I really do believe that in order for it to help children arrive at the destinations that we and our Heavenly Father desires them to, many of us just need to change our approach a little bit. See, for many of us, our approach is often random and reactive, therefore we parent by experiment and As I said every week, that's just a bad approach because no one has the potential to influence a child more than you. So we just need a more intentional approach for that. And I believe the better approach is to parent with the end in mind. Parenting with the end in mind is intentionally parenting to lead our kids toward the destinations that we, and more importantly, our Heavenly Father desires for them as adults. So throughout this series, really what my goal is, is just been to help shift our approach Shift our approach to parenting with the end in mind in a few critical areas. A a few critical areas that really will make or break our children arriving at the destinations that you and your heavenly father desires for them. Now, as I said every week, this series, it's, it's much more practical than theological because really application is what makes all the difference and the the practical application that I'm suggesting is exactly that they're suggestive suggestions none of these suggestions are perfect none of they're not one size fits all you know we're all raising different people with different personalities and you got to know also doing everything I suggest will not guarantee anything well you know will, will you know not make parenting any less hard, will not cause any less struggle or worry as a parent, but I can promise applying what we're talking about will influence your child toward, a, toward better, healthier destinations and will help them avoid unnecessary pain and regret in the future. As I said every week, one of my biggest suggestions for every parent is to download our Parent Q app. Uh, there's a QR code on the, sc- on the screen right now. If you're a parent of any, you know, eight kids, 18 and under, man, you should scan this. 
get the app, download the app. This app has, we've developed so many great tools. We're continuing to develop great tools on here that will really help you parent with the end in mind, both of the areas we're talking about through in this series and so many more other areas. Now, parents, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fast forward, if you can, in your mind to when your child is your age. So think about when, when my kid is my age, and some, by the way, you kids who are in here, you're like, gosh, I'm never going to be that old. I get it. I never thought I would either. But when, think about parents, when your child is your age. Now, when your child is your age, do you want them to feel enslaved or free? Do you want them to be filled with hopelessness and despair or hope? Do you want them to be consumed with anxiousness or peace? Do you want them to be entitled or grateful? Do you want them to be selfish and greedy or selfless and generous? Do you want them to be overcome with discontentment or contentment? Do you want them to be filled with fear and worry or do you want them to feel secure? I mean, the answers are obvious for all of us. But the reality is you can't produce any of that in them no matter how much you want to and no matter how much you try. Those are things that only God himself can produce in them. And the great news is, is that he wants to produce that in them. We discovered the very first week of this series that the most important thing to God for your children is for them to have a saving, committed, authentic, intimate, trusting, faith-filled, growing relationship with him through Jesus so that he can transform them into everything he's created them to be and then so they can experience the life and hope and peace and joy and fulfillment and contentment that can only come from him. Listen, parents... No one has the potential to influence a child's faith more than a parent's. And that's why the primary responsibility that God has given us as parents is to lead our children toward Jesus, toward who he is, toward putting their faith in him, toward following him and growing in a relationship with him. Parents. If you really want your children to end up at the destinations that you just said that you wanted them to when they're your age, you must take this responsibility seriously and do everything you can to lead them toward Jesus, toward faith in Jesus, toward following him, toward growing in a relationship with him. Now today what I want to do is I want to talk about one critical factor in making or breaking that happening. One thing that most people don't think impacts their faith or intersects with their faith. One thing that none of us can avoid And also none of us can live without. One thing that we all use every single day. One thing people will sacrifice their relationships, their integrity, their character for more of. One thing that's destroyed numerous lives and marriages and friendships. One thing that can change the trajectory of our life which makes it extraordinarily powerful and extraordinarily dangerous. One thing that can cause enormous amounts of anxiousness and despair and fear and worry. Or can be used in a way that produces an enormous amount of life for us and others. One thing that we either have power over or has power over us. One thing God can use to generate transformation in our lives or that we can abuse and it destroys our lives. One thing that impacts my and yours and your kids' life and faith more than you can possibly imagine. And if you haven't guessed what that one thing is yet, that one thing is money. Money and our pursuit of money And our use of money, it's so powerful, both positively and negatively in all of our lives. And it's so powerful in all of our lives. I want to take a step away just for a second about 
talking about children and parenting. And I want to talk about a biblical principle that's true for all of us. And as I said last week, like all biblical principles, you can't break them. Which means you work with it and you benefit from it, or you ignore them and you break yourself against them. This biblical principle actually came directly from the mouth of Jesus as recorded in Matthew 6. But before I read Jesus' words here, let me just say, if, you, if you'd say you're not a follower of Christ, you never put your faith in Jesus, you kind of knew this whole church thing, what Jesus is about ready to say, you're going to have a hard time believing. And you've got to know the only reason I believe what Jesus is saying here is because any guy who could predict his death and resurrection and then pull it off, I kind of just go with whatever that guy says. And so listen, I just would encourage you, even though you have a hard time, just open up to the possibility of what if. Like what if this is true? I believe if you open up to that possibility, maybe your heart and your, will open up to faith in God altogether. For those of you who are followers of Christ, you said you put your faith in Jesus, you've got to know what Jesus is about ready to say here. It impacts your, you following him and me it impacts you following him so much. It impacts you, you being transformed so much by him. Some of you may have recently been struggling with faith or wavering in your faith. As we go through this, it's just worth assessing, is maybe this why? Is maybe what Jesus had to say here maybe a reason why I'm struggling with my faith or my faith is wavering? And if so, I would just encourage you to apply, apply, apply what Jesus is leading us into. So here's the biblical principle Jesus has for us. He says, no one. And you know what that means? It means no one. It, it mean, including you. It means no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. I mean, it's easy to see what Jesus is saying here. Like, no one can serve two masters, but everyone will serve one. And as you know, a master has power and authority in and over the people they're over. A master has power and authority to enslave or free the people they're over. A master has power and authority to make the life better or worse for the people they're over. And a master will always do one or the other. Well, according to Jesus, we will serve one of two masters. And I know some of you are like, well, I don't want to serve a master. And Jesus is going, you don't get a choice. If you serve a master or not, you will serve one. And the one we serve will be the one we trust to provide us with freedom, security, hope, and peace. And we will become more devoted to one and fall more, fall more in love with one. The, we, we will, we, and we will become more devoted to and fall more in love with the one we serve and will grow to despise and hate the other one. The question is, who are the two masters. Here's how Jesus finishes. You cannot serve both God and money. Oh, Jesus, you screwed that up. You mean God and the devil. And he's going, no, I didn't screw it up. Jesus could have contrasted any two things for what competes most for our heart, devotion, trust, and love, but he didn't. Jesus says, listen, you're going to serve one of two masters, but you can't serve both. God or money will be your master. And that means every day we will face the tension of choosing to serve, trust, or pursue God or money. And there's good and bad news with this. One of these masters has the power and the authority to give us true life, joy, peace, fulfillment, contentment, security. The other has the power and the authority to, to, to enslave us to despair and anxiousness and hopelessness, discontentment, worry, and fear. The question that begs to be asked is, which master leads to which outcome? Well, Jesus didn't directly answer that question because all the listeners already knew, and if we're being honest with ourselves, 
So do we. Unfortunately, many believe the lie that more money leads to more freedom. More money leads to more security, hope, peace, joy, purpose, fulfillment. Which is why so many people are focused on trying to get more, 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 more. But you know that's not true. If it were true, there would be no wealthy people with anxiety. If it were true, every dollar that you earned, with every dollar that you earned, you would have more peace in your life. But you don't. Let me ask you a question. How much money would it take for you to have total peace? To feel completely secure? To be totally fulfilled? To be completely content? And you know what the answer is? It's more than you currently have. Always. However much money you have, the answer to that question, it's more than you currently have. So here's the biblical principle that comes from the mouth of Jesus. You can serve God or money, but you can't serve both. And that's true for me. That's true for you. And parents, that's true for your children. Every person has a, has a choice to serve, to follow, to submit to, to pursue, to love, to be surrendered to, to be devoted to, to trust in God or money. But we can't choose to serve both. Do you know that when we talk about growing in a relationship with Jesus, what we're really talking about is growing in our trust, is growing in our faith in God. And our trust in God growing is so relationally important because the greater the trust, the better the relationship. I mean, that's true in marriage between husband and wife. That's true between father and son, between friends, between colleagues. Trust is at the epicenter of every healthy, growing, thriving, life-giving relationship. That's true between people, and that's especially true between you and Jesus. Listen, if you were to ask me, what's God doing in my life? With all the bad and all the good and all the pain and all the setbacks and all the failure and all the, like, what's God trying to do in my life? I would tell you what he's trying to do is grow your trust in him. He's trying to because it's the essence of relationship. He's trying to because he wants to transform us in everything he created to be. And that happens by growing and following him. And he, like anyone else, wants a relationship characterized by, I trust you. I trust you. Listen, I don't always understand. I don't, I don't know why I don't always have my prayers answered. I don't know why life doesn't seem to go my way. But I trust you. And let's be honest. The thing we're most tempted to trust in most for security, for our hope, for our peace, is money. And when we do, it hurts our relationship with Jesus because we transfer our trust from him to it. And as I said before, no amount of money can give true security. No amount of money can give true hope. No amount of money can give true peace. That's a work that only God can do and a work he does when we trust him as our master. According to Jesus, money and how we pursue it and how we use, use it has more to do with my and your and your child's trust in God growing or eroding than we can possibly imagine. Listen, this is so important. Money is, a, money is useful as a servant, but it is deadly as a master. Money is useful as a servant, but it's deadly as a master. It's, it's a useful servant to you, but it's a deadly master over you. Because serving this master enslaves us in selfishness, worry, fear, a false sense of security, and thus enslaves our heart's ability to be free to experience true joy and peace and fulfillment and hope. 
that can only come from a growing relationship with God. You can serve God or money, but you can't serve both. So the question is, for you, for me, for all of us, is, is God or money your master? Is God or money your master? And the reality of it is, is none of us think money's our master. I mean, especially if we say we're followers of Christ and put our faith in Jesus. We're like, oh, Jesus is my master. I put my faith in Jesus. And then if we, even if we think money might be my, our master, we won't admit it. But based on everything I, I, share, I just shared, I think it's worth an honest evaluation if money might be your master. I'm going to just give a few things, indicators that money might be. It's not an exhaustive list, but just it, might it be your master? Listen, if you have money in the bank but no peace in your heart, that's an indication money might be your master. If it's hard for you to do the right thing when it costs you financially, it's an indication that money might be your master. If your standard of living has exceeded your level of income, it's an indication that money might be your master. If you have a lot of stuff, but you can't enjoy it because you're living at or above your financial limits, it's an indication that money might be your master. If, you, if, if, if your finances are negatively affecting any of your relationships, it's an indication that money might be your master. If you're trying to borrow your way to happiness with things that you can't afford by taking on debt, it's an indication that money might be your master. If you if, if if you fear not having if your fear of not having enough impedes your willingness to trust God enough to give generously, it's an indication that money might be your master. As a matter of fact, if I were to narrow down to one word how to know if money is your master, that word is greed. Greed is hard to see in the mirror. But here's what greed is. Greed is putting self first, thinking of self first, wanting for self first and giving to self first. Greed is wanting, reaching, pursuing, taking, grabbing, hoarding more, more, more for me, 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 and my family, and my kids, and my organization, and my company. Let's be honest. We've got to be honest. This describes a majority of Americans, which means a large majority of us, whether we say we're followers of Jesus or not, serve money as our master. And we wonder why we have so much anxious, anxiousness in the world and anxiety in the world and fear in the world and hopelessness in the world. Maybe in you. Let me ask again. Is God or money your master? You can serve God or money, but you can't serve both. That's true for you. And parents, that's true for your children. Parents, your children will serve God or money now and in the future. And here's what you need to know, parents. What you do now as a parent will be produced later in your child. If we want our children to be transformed to everything God's created them to be so they can experience true freedom and security and hope and peace and joy and purpose and fulfillment later, then we must lead them to follow Jesus by making God their master right now. The question is how? Well, when you think of money, you can only do three things with money. There's only three things you can do with it. Give it, save it, spend it. That's all you can do with it. That's the only thing you can do with your money. Give it, save it, or spend it. 
That means how we give, save, and spend proves who our master is and will lead us toward God or money being our master. So what I want to do for the rest of our time today is I want to give a roadmap for how to lead your children to give, serve, and spend in a way that will help lead them to make God their master instead of money. Now, even though that I'm talking specifically to parents, this is a great roadmap for everyone, which means I encourage every single person of all ages to listen to apply this to your life. I've been living by this roadmap for 25 years. 25 years, and it has helped me keep God as my master and make God my master. I call this roadmap the 10-10-80 principle. And thanks, Justin. Are they coming out? Maybe. Yeah, come on out. Uh, I call this roadmap the 10-10-80 principle, and to help me explain the benefits of it, I've asked my wife, Christy, and my older daughter, Grace, to come and join me and help me explain it. So guys, give it up for Christy and Grace. You guys nervous? No. No, we're good. I'm nervous. Uh, <laughs> I'm usually up here we're by myself. So uh, now Christy and I, we were raised very differently when it came to money. And because we were raised so differently, it was hard for us to figure out how to parent when it came to money. But uh, based on who we wanted our kids to become, how we wanted God to transform them into everything he's created them to be, and the destinations that we and our Heavenly Father desired for them, we started to parent with the end in mind through the 10-10-80 principle. And the kind of the overall summary of the 10-10-80 principle is to give 10%, save 10%, live on the remaining 80%. We've had our daughters follow this roadmap from the very start with every dollar that they brought in. Now, when they were young, -er, <laughs> when they were young, -er, uh, they didn't have a way to make money, so they, we needed to create a way where they could learn this principle. And we know that some parents give allowance. We did something different. We decided to have wages and responsibilities. Chrissy, uh, explain, explain what we did. Um, so in true Ronnie fashion, he typed up a document, we talked about responsibilities, <laughs> no. um, we just talked with him about that these certain chores were going to be their responsibilities, um, cleaning their room, their bathroom, doing certain chores around the month, uh, house once a month, um, but we didn't call them chores, we called them their responsibilities, and when they were younger, Mom and dad could remind them to do them, but they had to be done by Sunday. Um, and then the older they got, the more it was like, we aren't going to remind you anymore. These are just your responsibilities. This is what you have to do. So Yeah, and bottom line is if they had to do their responsibility in order, in order to earn their wage. So we gave them a wage every single month because that's what adults get. And we needed to teach them that, like, this is how adulthood works. You do things in order to get a wage. We're not giving you allowance for free. We buy your food. Like, adults aren't given anything for free, so we need to teach them that. So, Grace, let me just ask you, what, what, is, having to earn, what, is, what is having to earn your wage by doing your responsibilities throughout your life taught you? Yeah, so it taught me, like, you don't just get money for free. Like, you have to earn money, like, and you have to do those things. Like, you have to be responsible in order to earn money. Like, it's not just going to get handed to you. Yeah. Do you feel like that was good for you to learn as a future adult? Yeah. Yeah, because you realize that's not, do I get anything for free? No. No, I have to earn everything I get as an adult. You guys, we've got to teach our kids this when it comes to money. They don't get nothing for free. Because parents, do you get anything for free? No! Nothing! So we had to, so anyway, I could go on about that forever. All right, the first part of this roadmap is... 
uh, of the 10-10-80 principle is to give 10%. We taught our girls to give 10% of every dime they brought in first, primarily to the church. The, the, giving 10%, it, it's vitally important, you know, to, to you know, for God to, in order to do this, for God to become your master because of something else that Jesus said in Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, Jesus also said, for where your treasure is, there are your heart, which means there are your trust, there are your love, there are your devotion, there are your commitment will be also. You've you, you got to know, God doesn't want your money, and he surely doesn't need your money. He wants to set your heart free so that he can transform you to everything he's created you to be. And that requires that we trust him, trust him with, with what so often has our hearts. And what so often does is our money. And the writers of scripture tell us that we do that through financial generosity. Listen, giving isn't a money issue. It's never been a money issue. Giving is a heart issue. It is a trust issue. We say all the time, you heard Misty say it this morning, generosity generates transformation. God transforms us through generosity in ways he doesn't in any other way. Because when we give generously, we're choosing to trust Jesus with the number one competitor for our hearts. And when we do, money loses its grip on us and we're free to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Now 10%, it's also known as a tithe. The principle of tithing is found in the Hebrew scriptures that we call the Old Testament. Tithe means tenth. As, a fo as followers of Christ, tithing is not something we must do, but Jesus calls us to give sacrificially. I believe a tithe helps define sacrificial. We had our kids do this with every dollar from a young age. Tithe on every dollar from a young age so that they learn the value of it. If we knew if they didn't do it when they were young, they won't do it when they're older. They won't start doing it when they're adults. And we don't want money to be our kid's master. We want to break that greed right now. So, Christy, how did you see this play out with our girls? Like, what were the benefits and the obstacles of this? Um, I think early on, some of the benefits were um, it was a small amount, so they didn't mind. Um, they, Relevant was smaller back then when they were younger, too, and so... Um, I think they felt like they saw where it went. The bigger we get, you know, sometimes it's harder to see. Um, and so I think that was a little bit of a benefit is that they've grown up here from the beginning. And so they kind of got to see some of that. Um, I think an obstacle is the older they got, the more money they made. Um, just the, are you sure? That's, that's a lot of money, Mom. That's 10%. You yeah, know. because when so, they were younger, like yeah. their wage was 25 bucks a month. Yeah. And now Grace can, you know, in her job, can make 300 bucks a month. Yeah. And so 10% of 25 bucks is 250. 10% of three, 300 is 30. And you're like, ah, it's yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So just the older they got, the more money they started making. Um, just the teaching them around it, the accountability, the conversations. You know, this isn't a one and done. This is a every month having these conversations with them. And yeah, yeah. so. And it was every single month having had yes. the conversation. Every month, For right? 16 years. Every month. Yep. Did yep. you give? Did you save? Did yep. you tithe? Yep. Uh, Grace, how has doing this your whole life made you view giving? How has it made you view generosity? I view, like, I view generosity as, like, something I do that helps me trust God and, like, whatnot. And, like, Mom said, it's, like, 
it is hard sometimes because like we want that money for ourselves but I've learned to trust God and I've continue to give generously. Do you feel like it's become more uh, just an automatic thing for you, like right at the top of your head now, or do you still like have to like, uh, like think about it? And No, it's, it's usually an automatic thing most of the time. Yeah. And I don't know that it would have been if it hadn't started when you were young, because we didn't yeah. ha- have this start when we were young. So it, it was a hard thing for us to learn as we got older. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. The second part of the 10, 10, 80 principle is to save 10%. So we've always had our girls save 10% of every dime they brought in after they gave and before they spent one t- dime on anything. Uh, we, we want them to, to learn the value of saving and having margin. And one, once they put money into their savings account, they can only take the money out for two things. The two things were to buy their first car and to pay for college. Christy and I decided right from the beginning that even if we could someday, and now we're at a place where we're able to, that even if we could someday, we would never pay for our kid's car and we will never pay for their college. And by the way, the reason that we made that decision is because I did student ministry for years and years and years. And I worked with hundreds and hundreds of high school students. And I saw the ones who had skin in the game valued it more. The ones who had to work for it valued it more. They took it more seriously. They took care of it. They didn't flunk out of classes when they have to pay for their classes. I also, we also wanted to teach them the value of investing on a very practical level. So we added an incentive. And essentially, here's what we did. And I'm going to go through this really fast. We said, girls, every $100 that you put into your savings account, we're going to match $100. And then once you get to the $1,000 mark, we're going to match it with another $1,000. So you do the math of that. They have to put in $500 in order to get $1,500. This is how we decided we were going to help them pay for their first car and how that we're going to help them pay for college. Uh, we... You know, we, and, and we said, we're going to do this until you're done with school, either when you're done with high school or you decide to go to college when you're done with college. We'll continue this matching thing with you that will match 100 for 100, uh, you know, and that's how we're going to help you pay for your car and pay for college. We did this from the very beginning. At 15 years of age, Grace had saved $4,500. Now, you do the math of how much we matched with that. Grace had saved $4,500 and was able to buy a car on her own before she turned 16 with cash. Grace, what was it like buying your own car with your own money? It was really awesome. It was super fun. And the fact that like I worked for it and bought it with my own money made like getting my first car so much like a lot more fun and like worthwhile. Yeah, it was crazy. We get yeah. you were handing that cash over <laughs> as you're buying the car from the guy and it's like this guy's thinking we are loaded. Like this kid's got, you know, and I'm like, I'm a pastor. <laughs> Not, you know. Now, Grace, how do you feel about that car since you bought it with your own money? I love my car. There's a picture of my car. That's my car. Her name is Tammy. Tammy's pretty slay. I love Tammy. <laughs> um, because it's my car and I bought it, I, like, don't let people drive it. It's, like, mine. Like, don't drive my car. Like. <laughs> this is a 2007 Jeep Compass. You'd think the girl's driving an Audi. Like, she loves this car so much, and she just said, the reason that I love it so much and take care for it is because I bought it. It's her car. She bought it. We didn't buy it. She bought it. And so she values it to a whole different level. Chrissy, let me, let me just ask you, what has, what has it been like for you as a parent to lead our girls in, in this way to, you know, saving 10% of everything that they brought in and 
Yeah, I, again, I go back to when they were younger, you know, it, it wasn't growing very fast. It was, you know, we save a dollar a month at first because they used to get $10 and then when you bump it up, you know, they're saving two or three dollars. Um, and so it, it was very a slow process kind of until they hit about 12 and 13 when they know mom and dad are serious that we are not going to buy your car. This is how you're going to get it. Um, and so it was, it's again, conversations, it was great just talking about it with them this whole time. Um, and, and talk about, talk about, sorry, I didn't mean to, talk about when they realized when she was getting close to 15, yeah. they realized that we weren't going to buy their car. Talk about, and her saving, talk about like what that, how that inspired her to save more. Yeah, so those last couple years were, you know, those 14, 15 um, age, it was like, okay, you're about to buy a car in about a year, year and a half, you know. If you can. Yeah, like. <laughs> We used to drive around, and I would joke. I'd point at cars, and I'd be like, "That's about all you can afford." So, you bet. You know, if you want to drive that little go kart, yeah. then then that's fine. You you don't have to save anymore. Um, but you know, they grow up and they realize that okay, yeah, okay, I will start saving more. Um, so they started saving more than ten percent because they kind of realized I don't need to spend all of this. I do need to put it in savings. I do need mom and dad to match it because I am going to buy a car. Yep. And so it is a slow process, but those last couple years, and even now, it, it goes faster. The savings does. Me and Dad have to catch up a little <laughs> yeah. bit. And our um, bank account goes down as the matching <laughs> happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yep. it was super fun. Um, it was super fun that she didn't even have to drain her bank account to do it. Um, she still had money left over. And yep. yeah, so cool. it was just, it was, yeah. Yeah. So here's the, here's the final part of this 80, or 10, 10, 80 principle. It's to live on 80%. For our kids, this meant they could spend the remaining 80% that they had after they gave and they saved. We wanted our kids to value and learn two important things that Christy and I value, and that's living debt-free and spending wisely. Christy and I believe heavily in not having any consumer debt, and we don't. And, and Because when we do, when we, when we live beyond our means, Money quickly becomes our God or it proves that it already is. So with our kids, we buy them what they need. They have to buy what they want with their own money. It, it's important that they learn that now, the important they learn now that they can't have every single thing that they want, even if we can afford to give it to them. And they want stuff all the time. Just like your kids want stuff all the time. They had to learn that they can only get what they can afford and they had to be content. So, Christy, what are some of the things that our girls had to spend their own money on that we wouldn't buy for them? Um, yeah. Um, again, when they were littler, it was snacks at the pool because mom brought snacks. So you can eat these snacks. It was going shopping. You know, you can buy your own cookie at the cookie company. I'm not going to do that. So at first, little things. And then the older they get, um, God, it was just like, I will buy you your shoes. I will buy you what you need for volleyball. I will buy you what... You need for school, um, but anything above and beyond that. Yeah, if you want special shoes, it's on them. Yep. Yeah, um, and I think parents can relate to this a little bit. We buy them stuff and they don't wear it. It sits in the closet. Um, somebody is kind of particular over here, and so I would buy some things and they didn't feel right, and so we would waste that money. And so I kind of learned too that well, if she bought her own shoes, she would break them in real quick. Yep. But if mom bought them, they could sit there for a while, and so um, yeah. We've yep. also, yeah, made them buy their own iPhones. 
Yep. And they pay for their own plan. Yeah, um, so let me talk about that real quick. Uh, and I'll talk about this next week in the final part of the series. But uh, when our girls, when they wanted a phone, we, there was a certain age we wouldn't let them buy it before then. And we'll talk, we'll talk about that next week. But they had to buy their own iPhone. We didn't buy it. You want it, you buy it. Because we don't, that's not nothing you need. We'll buy you a flip phone. You need a phone. We did buy By the way, phones. I'll talk about this all next week. <laughs> they had to buy their own iPhone. And they, if they break it, they had to, to replace it. We, we do not support that addiction at all. They can support it on their own. And by the way, once they bought it, we said, we will then change your wages that you, for your responsibilities to pay for the cell phone bill. And so that is now your wage. And so if you don't do your responsibilities, guess what? You lose your cell phone because you didn't do your responsibility. That's your wage. So, uh, Grace, what, what, is, what is having to spend your own money on the things that you want taught you? You know, what have you learned about money and spending and want and needs and all that? I learned, like, I can't just spend money all the time on, like, all these different things. I can't go and get iced coffee every morning. I can't just go and buy a new shirt every day. Like, I have to, like, look at how much I'm making and, like, pick and choose what I want to spend money on and be responsible with the money I'm making. Yeah. And you have to pay for your own gas. Yes. And uh, what have you learned about driving, having to pay for your own gas? I cannot drive everywhere. Lots of my friends, since I go to an OPS school, lots of my friends live in OPS area. And I, I can't just go and drive and pick them up and do all these things all the time. Like, I have to, like, decide when I want to go and, like, stuff like that. So you have to make some adult decisions. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> uh, so, you guys, listen, this 1010, this roadmap, it's not perfect. But it will help you lead your child toward God, I believe, instead of you know, being their master, instead of money being your master. Christy Grace, do you guys have any final thoughts you'd, you'd like to share? Was there anything, anything big we missed? Nope. I just would like to leave parents with one note. There's a difference between a want and a need. And we don't need it all. We can afford a lot of things. So Because I'm a pastor. Yeah. Oh, yes. Right. Yes. We, I mean, we. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we. Um, yeah. So like, I didn't having, know we could, but that's awesome. If you're having conversations with your children, I learned early on that I didn't tell the girls um, we can't afford it because then they would see us affording other things. And it was like, using the words, we don't need it. We don't, you don't need to get the newest iPhone right now. Yours, you haven't even broke yours. Yours is fine. Like, so I think as parents just starting to use some of that verbiage yep. with our kids is we could afford it, but we don't need that. Yep. It's so, good. Anyway. It's good. Good? Yep. All right, parents. Listen to me real quick. Your children, your children can serve God or money, but they can't serve both. Every child will end up a greedy or generous adult. Every child will end up an adult free from enslavement of debt or consumed by debt. Every child will end up an adult who lives beyond their means or within their means. Every child will end up as an entitled or grateful adult. Every child will end up as an adult filled with financial fear and worry or peace. You are the greatest influence in helping determine that destination, which means it all starts with you. And parents, here's what you need to know. You can't lead your children where you are not, and you'll likely lead them to where you are. And here's what that means. If money's your master, money likely will become your kid's master. If God is your master, he's much more likely to become theirs. I said before, Christy and I have been living by this roadmap for 25 years, and it's the only way we've been able to lead our kids there. 
You can't serve, you, 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 can, you can serve God or money, but you can't serve both. So let me ask you again. Is God or money your master? For those of you who say you're followers of Christ and you say God's my master and I want him to be my master, my question for you is what next step would your heavenly father have you take to make him your master? Whatever that next step is, take it. It will feel like a sacrifice, but it will be worth it for your transformation. Parents, here's my question for you. What next step do you need to take to lead your children away from money being their master and toward God being their master? Whatever that next step is, take it. Take it because when you do, money will lose its power and grip in their hearts. Take it because when God becomes their master, that's when their trust in him will grow. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, uh, I pray that all of us take this seriously, that we choose to take next steps around us. Jesus, you told us that we're going to serve one of these two masters. I pray that we choose to serve our heavenly father. Lord, I pray that as parents you give us wisdom on how to lead our kids into it. And I pray that they, um, through it, you do a transforming work in them, that they choose to make you their master every step of the way. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.